Ron and Anian. Look at all the different things they're doing with oil. Oh, for the days when an oil oil was just meant to lubricate, cool, and carry dirt away. Now it's doing everything else. I'm your vehicle, baby. The Car Doctor. The answer for why one car is designed the way it is and the other is that way is basically because there's an accountant involved. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls. At 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, welcome. Ronnie Indian, and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Thank you. Glad to be here and part of your day as we go forward and try to repair cars this hour, as we have for the past 25-plus years. 855-560-9900 is 24-7. You can call, leave a message if we're not on the air. And Fast Harry, if he ever comes back from vacation, we'll call you back and get you in the lineup. For the, you think he's coming back, Tom? Tony's shaking his head. No, he's not really sure. What do you think, Tony? You think Harry's ever going to come back? I doubt it. He's in love. He's in love. Well, that's true, too. We hope not. We're yeah. having fun. Oh, we're having fun. So be nice. You know, he's out there listening. You know, he's probably out there listening right now in Louisville, Kentucky. You guys want to send better. him? Yeah. So he, but but we, don't, we don't have to take his call if he calls in. So, you know, we can just talk about him and keep going. I don't think he would call in. So, <laughs> so somehow, somehow I think he's in love. He's... Uh, He's out there watching the horse races. But um, in any event, Fast Harry, we'll call you back if he ever comes back from vacation and uh, get you in lineup for the following show. The show is live Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. And um, if you call 855-560-9900, we will get you in the lineup and um, get your message. And uh, you can leave a message there as well. So uh, we set that up for you. Naturally, of course, podcasting. What would a radio show be without podcasting in this day and age? Um, you know, you can go to TuneIn, you can go to iHeart, you can go to iTunes, you can go to Google Play. You can find links for all of those at cardoctorshow.com and uh, keep abreast of what's going on. Also, follow us out on Facebook, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. And um, I admit, we haven't been doing a lot of Facebook stuff lately. I actually have two or three videos, four videos, I can think of at the top of my head, in edit. I haven't gotten to yet this summer. We've just been too busy fixing cars and too many other projects going on, just far too many things to deal with. And uh, there's only so much of me to go around. And I made a promise to my family the past week. I haven't touched a car in a week. Uh, we're just coming off of our staycation. Monday we'll get back into the shop. And I'm sure I'll have nothing to talk about next Saturday. Uh, you know, what, what could possibly go wrong in a repair shop? Back on a Monday after a week off, we close the shop. So I'm sure that'll be some stories to tell. By the way, I should point out, where's that piece of paper? Tom gave it to me. Um, I understand my, my, my cell phone went off at 4 o'clock this morning. I got a text from... My engineer, Tom Ray, that uh, he's booked me into the Dead Man's Curve Wild Hot Rod Weekend again. Of course, he waited the two weeks before to tell me. So uh, I have to get ready now to um, to do that. So if you are in Mawa, New Jersey, uh, Labor Day weekend, I guess that's the 3rd. Yeah, that looks like September the 3rd. And I realize this is a national show, but I never know where anybody's coming from. It's, um, you know, we can kind of play it out that way. But if you're in Mawa, New Jersey, the weekend of September the 3rd, that's Labor Day weekend, Saturday afternoon, 2 to 4 p.m., we will be doing the radio show live from the Sheridan International Crossroads there in Mawa, uh, joining the gang from Dead Man's Curve, and uh, see what's going on there. You can find more at their website. What is their website, Tom? Is it dmc.com? Tom will find it for me, and we'll get it up on air 
Um, no, that's not it. That's that's something else. But uh, Tom will find it for me. Tom, find me the website for Dead Man's Curve, and uh, if the listeners want to get more information. And, um, you know, Hot Rods, they're going to have an Elvis tribute show. They're going to have Uncle Floyd, which you would know who Uncle Floyd is if you're from New Jersey. That's a Jersey thing. Um, but, uh, oh, there it is, deadmanscurveusa.com is their website, and uh, they're also out on Facebook, um, along with Hot Rods, Gassers, Customs. Uh, Eddie, Eddie Munster is going to be there. Ponch from Chips is going to be there, Eric Estrada. So, uh, you know, it should be a good time. It was a good time last time. They've been doing it for a good many couple of years now. And um, I think this is number five. Is this number five or six? I've lost track. Uh, but they've been doing it a while now, a good many couple of years, and uh, that's Labor Day weekend, so we'll be there doing that. That being said, before I open up the garage doors, I just want to make one comment. Um, a couple of questions lately. People are asking me, what is the most critical component of a car today? And I've got to think it comes back to batteries, and, I'm, and I'm, I've got a reason I'm bringing this up, and I'll go here in a second. And I think it's a battery because everything starts with a battery. The battery's got to be, you know, proper size type, cleanliness at the terminals and all that stuff. And and I'm not here to beat you up and talk to you about power frame grid technology and it's a better grid. You know it is. You've been listening to the radio show. You know why power frame grid technology is a better grid and a better battery design in, internally. And you can read more at powerframe.com. I get all that. I'm not here to tell you about that. What I want to talk to you about, though, is, you know, we're going into fall. This is what triggered it, Labor Day. We're going into colder time of the year, and everybody traditionally starts to think battery, although more batteries are sold in warm weather. More batteries fail as a result of warm weather, which is part of the power frame grid technology design and why it's better and and all that. But that isn't even what I really want to talk about. What I want to talk about is jump packs. And we've gotten a lot of questions in the last couple of months over jump packs. And evidently everybody wants a jump pack, you know, a little booster pack. And it was, it's funny because I saw someone the other day on the side of the road jump starting a car. And I thought of how dangerous that is. They had one car going the right way and one car going the wrong way. And it was a busy thoroughfare. And they're out there standing at the fender and the battery was on the driver's side of the car. So they had to stand out more in the roadway. And I'm thinking, how convenient would it have been? How how much safer would it have been had they had a jump pack? And then I started thinking that kind of goes along with what everybody's talking to me about with jump packs, and everybody wants to buy a little jump pack. And you know how big they are now. They're, they're, they look like your cell phone on steroids. They're just a little bit bigger. But the problem is not all of them are really safe and rated for the car. And I remembered we were supposed to have this conversation, you and I, a couple of weeks ago, and I failed to get to it for all the other things. that The phones just don't stop ringing. And I went back and I found my notes from my friend Gary Mackey. He's the VP of of uh, communication over there for the folks at Associated Equipment out in St. Louis, Missouri. And he sent me a letter that they were sending out. And earlier this year, and the letter starts out, Associated Equipment is proud to be an approved source of battery chargers and jump starters for use on General Motors vehicles. Recently, a communication was sent to GM dealerships cautioning them against using non-approved equipment during repairs. It states in part that General Motors testing has shown that the use of non-approved chargers and booster packs can damage. You ready for this? Using a poor quality booster pack can damage headlight bulbs, control modules, and other electrical components. Some non-approved devices have exceeded 20 volts during a jump start event and damaged both low beam headlamp filaments. I thought this was the biggest bunch of nonsense I ever read in my life. And then I talked to a friend of mine uh, during the week this past week, just 
you know, not working, but just trying to get ready for working. Cause I kind of got a little bored on my staycation. I hate to tell you folks, but I really wanted to get back to fixing cars. And I was talking to my friend Dennis up at the local Cadillac dealer. He's telling me, yeah, we do do a lot of low beam headlights and a lot of headlights and a lot of things. And he says, jump starting is a real issue. So this is real. And, you know, I just want to bring it up that everybody's writing me lately asking me about, you know, what to use and, and, uh, um, you know, in terms of a jump pack. And I've, I've got to come back and, and, and stay with what I've been saying. And, and as Gary had told me that they're, they're the approved for GM. I'm knocking something over here, and I wrote this down on a piece of paper. I just got to reach around and get it. The Quick Start Micro 6400. That's what I wanted to tell you. Somebody out on Facebook had asked me this, too. Uh, Lauren Holly Potter, I think it was, or something like that. She wanted to know about what jump pack to use. And I said, let me get the name of it. But I figured, let me announce it on air, too. But if you get out to the Facebook page, you'll see it. It's in, it's in the Messenger section or the Notification section. The Quick Start Micro 6400. Um, which comes from Associated Equipment. You can see more at their website, which is associatedequip.com. But, you know, we're in such a technical age now, no newsflash there, that even a booster pack can be of poor quality or have issues if it's not calibrated or set up to do the proper thing. And when Gary first explained this to me, Gary Mackey from Associated, oh, beginning of the year, you know, it kind of, I listened, but, how important could it be? You know what? Seeing lots of issues with incorrect jump pack procedures or incorrect jump packs creating problems. And the problem is only going to get worse going on. So what's the most important part of the car today? What do I think is the most critical? I think it's the battery. And I think if you're going to jump start the battery, you've got to have a good jump pack. And if you don't have a good jump pack, you're going to create other bigger issues because it goes from headlight bulbs to control modules. So it goes from 5 bucks to 5000 um, which dollar signs, anytime you put dollar signs in front of a car for repair, all of a sudden that becomes a bigger problem. So get out to associatedequip.com, read more about the Quick Start uh, Micro 6400 and their other line of battery jump packs, and at least you're dealing with an approved source for car companies. Um, some Some interesting food for thought. I never would have thought it was going to be such a problem. But evidently it is. 855-560-9900. I am Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. I'll be back to open the garage doors right after this. Ron Anning, the car doctor. I've got an attitude. I'm here to fix your car. What's going on? Steve, Cleveland, Ohio. Is that is with a 2011 Wrangler and some uh, funny noises in first and second gear. Steve, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, Ron. Yeah, so it's a uh, 2011. It's actually an automatic, so okay. uh, not a not a first and second gear problem. But uh, what it is is when I start the vehicle up, I, I, for about a second or two, there's just a loud clatter. Um, and it's not associated with hot or cold it can be either way but it just sounds like metal on metal and then it quickly goes away and the engine sounds normal going forward do you have any 
preference or thought on where it's coming from? Front of the car, back of the car, underneath your feet, underneath the seat? Um, uh, underneath underneath the hood, and it sounds like you know, the top side of the engine then. Okay. Anybody do any kind of diagnosis to this so far, Steve? No, no nothing uh, to diagnose that specifically. Okay. No. So, you know, the first thing I want to do is let's eliminate things. Can we just pop the belt or belts off, start it up, does the noise go away? And then, and then if it does, at least then we know it's something driven by the belt, and that cuts us down to, what, three or four things, power steering, yeah. air conditioning, et cetera, unless this is an EPS car. Uh, if, if that doesn't do it, my next question would be if we start it up and put it in drive, this is an automatic, you said, and power brake mm -hmm. it, can we duplicate it? Can you create that I, it? That I've tried and I can't, so you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll rev it. And, uh, but again, it's just, it, it's almost, to me, it sounds like a, uh, like a dry start as if, you know, it's metal on metal. Um, it really it sounds not not like something spinning, but more of just a uh, like a clatter, like spokes, uh, like cards in a spoke. You know, will it will bicycle. it will it do it every time you start it, Steve? Start it makes the noise. Shut it off. Start it makes the noise. Shut it off. Start it makes the noise. It'll do it on a consistent basis like that. No, it won't. It, and also to add to it, sometimes it'll actually be louder. And um, to the point where I'm you know, like, you could almost pick out a specific clacking noise, you know, one that happens to be louder than the other. I've just noticed that on a few occasions. But sometimes I'll start it up, and it's completely, you know, it's fine. How long has it been doing? The, how long has it been doing this? I started noticing. I've got eight, about eighty-five, eighty-seven thousand on it now. And the first time I think I noticed it was right around forty-five thousand. Right. So you know, I'm going to tell you, it's nothing critical. That's good then. Well, you know, if listen, in 40,000 miles, if it was something critical, yeah, with all the plastic and, and tin metal they put underneath the hoods of cars today, it would have fallen off by now. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. no, no joke. Now, if you really want it to be serious and track it down, what I, not that you're not serious, but you know what I'm saying, what, what I would do is I would, if you, if you lift the hood and start it, does it make the noise of the mechanic in front of it? I'd stand there. If we were at the shop, I'd have my stethoscope out with, with uh, uh, the tip-off so I get more of a broader feel and try and zero in on whatever it is we're listening for that way. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, sometimes it's not rocket science. It's just common sense. But that's why I say if you take the belt off, does taking the belt off change or eliminate anything? Yeah, that's a great point. I've never, never didn't even think to try All that. Right. So, uh, yeah. And then the only other thing with it is at about that same time when I started to notice that, I noticed I'm consuming oil. Uh, at, at the rate of maybe, you know, each oil change uh, I do every 5,000 with the full synthetic, but I may be down just a, uh, not quite a quart, you know, a little less than a quart. But uh, In 5,000 miles? That. Yeah. Well, yep. if, and has it stayed consistent at a quart in 5,000 miles? Yeah, it stayed pretty consistent, yep. So it hasn't, it hasn't increased. Um, anybody try yep. to do any kind of diagnosis to that to come to any kind of conclusions? No, so no, I haven't done anything with that yet either. You know, so. if it was, if if the two were somehow tied together, forty thousand miles is a long time, right? A, a quart and five thousand miles, you would you would have to make some kind of conclusion that it would go downhill quickly from there, and it right. ha and it right. hasn't. It stayed consistent with that. Yep. So I've done maybe, and I don't recommend this often, but maybe what you want to do. 
just for peace of mind, so that you know it's not you know what you're hearing is an engine, or what you're you're not about to have an impending engine failure. See, here's where I think an oil analysis is justified. All right. Ah, okay. Okay, and, and a lot of people that are long-term listeners, I don't know whether you are or not, but they'll they'll sit there and you know they'll like people want to do oil analysis right from the get-go with a new car. I don't see the point. Here's a car that's five years old with ninety thousand miles on it. You've got a noise. You've got an oil consumption issue. This would be interesting to do an oil analysis. And uh, you know, there's nobody I really I no one specific. I would just Google it. Talk to your friends. Does anybody do an oil oil analysis? Who are they using? There's a bunch of companies out there. I would get one done. And if it comes back with you know minimal levels and everything is okay, then you know what the oil consumption is normal for the beast. A quart and five thousand isn't the worst. If we were having okay. a conversation about a quart and a thousand, yeah, then you know, that's yeah. that's to me that's an issue. Even though even though the industry says a quart and a thousand isn't bad. To me, mm-hmm. that's extreme. But okay. I, would, I would start doing an oil analysis, and then depending upon what those results are, maybe the next oil change, take the when you take the oil filter off, cut it open. Cut it open, okay. spread, spread it out on the bench. What do you see inside the pleats? Okay. All right? Okay. And then, and then yeah, we'll kind great. of go from there. But I would definitely try starting this with the belt off. Okay. All right? That's a good idea. Keep yeah, me po- appreciate that. Keep me posted, Steve. Let me know what happens. All right, babe. Thank you. Um, Yeah, it's... You know, if this was going on for two weeks, I'd probably take a different tact. But it's been going on for what sounds like two years, two and a half years, and 40-something thousand miles. So I don't necessarily see where that's going to be. Uh, you know, not that I'm not worried about it, but clunks and rattles. Sometimes cars make clunks and rattles for a very long period of time. Now, take the conversation the other way. If if it's possible, the other thing you can do in a situation like this is power brake it. If you put it in drive, does it rattle in one direction? Put it in reverse. Does it change the tone? Does it change the pitch? Does it make noise in that direction as well? And, uh, you know, those are the kind of things we look for. Noises can drive you out of a car. And it's it's funny. I've fixed more than a few that just will make you crazy. Um, I'd also be cre- curious. I forget, failed to mention this to Steve. If he put it up in the air in a lift... Uh, you know, if he doesn't hear it up high, does he hear it down low? And sometimes you've got to start something up in the air and listen to it from below and kind of poke around. Noises are not easy. They do make electronic ear devices that you can place around the vehicle and tune in. But, uh, you know, at this point, start off slow. Take the belt off. See where that goes. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy in the car, Doctor. I'm back right after this. the things I do to keep Tony on his toes. Hey, Ron and Annie in the car, doctor. I had to reach down and tie my shoe. I'm sorry. I was away from the mic. I'm going, you know, I hear the music. I bet it's time to sit up and uh, take another call. So sorry about that, Tony. So Tony was jumping up and down going, where'd Ron go? Anyway, Ron and Annie in the car, doctor, 855-560-9900. See, that's the sign of a seasoned radio veteran, right? Nonchalant and easy. They don't know the quivering mass and nervous Nelly that I really am before we go on air and during the show. Here comes Tom with the feedback. Go ahead. Yeah. You do that again, and I have to give him mouth to mouth. You're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. You got me there. 
Um, let's get on over and talk to John, line two, 99 Ford Mustang. John, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Yeah, how's it going? I got a problem with uh, a 99 Mustang GT. Okay. Um, so the that, alternator charges at 13 volts. Right. This is a, um, this I changed, a, this is a V8, I, right? A, this is a V8, right, John? Yeah, it's a, yeah VA 4.6, two valve. Okay. Um, and the alternator puts out 13 volts. Right. Now, I put a brand new alternator, a brand new Ford alternator, brand new battery, and still at 13 volts. Now, you turn the AC on, you turn the wipers on, the lights on, still 13 volts. You rev it up, 13 volts. Now, I disconnect the fuse. The, the 20 amp fuse that actually feeds the uh, alternator, and it automatically full fields to 14 volts. Now I changed the alternator on the warranty again, and still it's like you know it, it just stays 13 volts. Now, now it seems to be a problem. Are you? Them, are you? I was going to say, are you looking at the charging rate off of a voltmeter or off the dash gauge? Off the off of your voltmeter. Okay. Okay. So does the car does the car ever give you a problem where battery doesn't charge or it leaves you disabled or? No, no, not at all. It actually gives me a problem. Uh, I've actually uh, it, I put a, it's got a supercharger on it. Right. And uh, I'm having uh, you know it, I'm actually losing power when it's in 13 volts because I got a wide band air fuel ratio, uh, air fuel gauge, and it's 10 and a half uh, air fuel. Uh, when it's 13 volts, obviously when it's 14 volts, it it goes down, it goes up to 11 air fuel, and I get a lot more power out of it, you know, because I think it's blowing out spark or something like that. But why is it that? Let's let's well, back up a second. Um, so you've got an aftermarket supercharger kit on it, right? Okay, and you took out you took out the O2s and you put it in aftermarket air fuel or whatever came with the kit. No, I added a bung. For a wide band. Okay. All right. So when you're going into a full throttle pass, you're saying to me that it's going lean. No, it's with the uh, with the uh, well, no, it's it's going rich when I'm at 13 volts. Um, based on what what reading are you seeing telling you it's going rich? Because I missed that. Well, I I have a wide band air fuel air fuel gauge and. Uh, when when it's not charging at 14 volts, it's going rich because I think it's actually blowing out spark. I actually feel a power difference. Okay. Now my question is, why does Ford have like a like a feature that it only charges like at 13 volts or 13.2 volts, as opposed to the normal 14 volts? Not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of at all. Now I'd be curious if you yeah. took if you took that alternator off the car and bench tested it. What does it charge at? Oh, I don't know. Because you know, it, it, you know what it is? it's got uh, two. It's got uh, the three prong connector going into the alternator, right? And each number fuse. One's for the dash light, for the battery light, and another is the twelve volt uh, feed that's that's on a twenty amp fuse. When I disconnect that fuse, the alternator automatically full charges. Right. You know, the because, battery light goes because on. Because if I'm not mistaken, one of those the field control for this vehicle, the alternator is done through the PCM. If I'm not mistaken. Right. No, it's not. According to the schematic, it, it's not. It goes to the uh, one for the dashboard for the battery light that goes to a, uh, like a 15 amp fuse. Right. And one goes to a 20 amp fuse that goes to right to uh, B plus battery positive. So then, where's the field control now, I, for the alternator? Is it self-regulating internally? Yes, it is. So then, that contradicts what the car is actually doing. 
Right. When you take the fuse out, it, full, it fulfills the 14 volts. Right. So what's the fuse doing? Applying power to that terminal, and that, that's telling the alternator internally to keep voltage lower? Something doesn't make sense there. Yeah. That, that's exactly what it's doing. I don't know why. And like I said, I, I put another Ford alternator in under warranty, and it, it's still doing the same thing. It only charges at 13.1 volts. Do me a favor, John. It doesn't go. Do me a favor. Sure. Send me your VIN. Send me the okay. seven, Email me your 17-digit VIN. All right. Okay. And then if you could email me, you know, obviously this car is modified. If you could tell me what kit's in there, let me do a little research this week. All right. Okay. Um, I can do that. Because something doesn't, I agree with you, something doesn't make sense. You've owned the car since new or for a while? No. No, I only had it for about a year. All right. Did it Did it come with the supercharger on it or it's... it's... No, I, no, I put, no, I put a Kenny Bell supercharger when I got it. Okay. And then... When prior to that, did you have the charging system issue? I don't remember. You know what it is? I, I, I never noticed it. You know, I, I'm only noticing it now because I'm, you know, I'm actually, I think I'm losing power. Because right. It's, You're trying it, to tune it. Did, did, you happen right. to, did you happen to talk to Kenny Bell, if that's the manufacturer of the supercharger, and explain the problem to them? No, I actually haven't because I think it's more of, a, of a, an electrical issue than a supercharger issue. You know, it's more of a, you know, a tuning issue, whatever. Well... It can't hurt. I'm sure they've. I'm sure they've run into it before. If it's if it's if it's something they've seen before, then it would be a whole lot easier than reinventing the wheel trying to figure it out. Um, right. You know, it depends on how good their tech department is. I have. I have. You know, I don't know. Um, I'm just trying to solve it in my head myself right now. But the the charging system wiring is what I want to look at. That's why I want to see the VIN. So if you send me the VIN, I'll get you an answer on the charging system. We'll start the ball from there. How's that? Okay, thank you. All yeah, right. That sounds good. You're very welcome. You got my email, ron at cardoctorshow.com? Yes. Okay, cool beans. All right, kiddo, you do that, and we'll go from there. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. All right, thank you. You're very welcome. 855-560-9900. Let's pull over and take a pause. We'll be back right after this. Car doctor, let's uh, bang on some fenders. Let's go over and talk to Tom, West Nyack, New York, 2011 Chevy Express. Tom, thank you for waiting. You've been very patient, my friend. How can I help you? Hey, Ron, how are you today? Good. What's going on? Um, I got the, um, it's a 2011 Express, four-speed, blower motor. Um, the resistor is a six-wire. Right. The, I guess it's like a 16, 18-gauge, the red wire and the A-pin with the black tracer. Right, that comes from the fuse. That comes from the 40-amp fuse. That is very hot to the point where it's melting the plastic on the connector, um, but only on high, because I wow. can hold my my finger on it um, at any other speed. It's cool as a cucumber. Put it on high. You can't keep your finger on there for more than twenty seconds without getting burnt. Do you have access to a? Can you? Do you have any kind of a clamp-on amp meter, Tom? Um, I'd love to yeah. see. I'd love to see what the current draw is on that line. I mean, that's a forty-amp blower. Um, you know, it's a 40-amp fuse that feeds that from the underhood fuse block. And if it's, if it's you know, if it's above 30 amps, I'd be concerned. Well, I changed. I thought, at first, I thought it was the resistor because what happened was um, high speed would cut out once in a while. And 
pop the hood, go underneath, just touch the resistor, it'd come right on. Right. I said, all right, maybe the resistor's bad, so I changed the resistor. And it ran fine. And it always works, by the way. The high speed always works. Right. So after a couple of weeks, I said, now let me just look at a curiosity, see if everything's okay under here. I pulled it off again, and I could see the connector melted a little bit more and a little bit of burning at the base of the A-pin in the resistor. So I checked around. I looked at my owner's manual, thought maybe there was a relay. There's no relay for that. Went on a couple of uh, YouTube sites and, and Googled. And sort of like what you were saying, the amperage drawer on the blow motor is no good. Replace the blow motor. I said, you know what? What the heck? It's two and a half years old anyway. Uh, it was originally replaced by Chevrolet uh, back two and a half years ago. So I said, all right, I'll just replace it. The um, It's easy to do. It's a, it's a no-brainer. It's right there. No, and you, no did, and you did that, and you still got the problem. Still did it, and I still got the problem. But now what I'm wondering is, could the pin, it's the, not the pin, but the connection on the A-wire is so badly singed? Sure. Could that be creating the resistance? Sure, absolutely. You know, then okay. there's a, then there's another problem with these. Do you have access to any kind of technical information, Tom? Um, only what I can find on the internet. Um, there's a document from GM. Document ID is two seventy four ninety seven nineteen. It's got an internal number PIE zero two zero one, and it talks about blower motor and operative airflow issues and high resistance in the blower. It's a twenty three page document. I've seen it. I've read it, and it starts talking about problems with wiring, connectors, things like you're describing, and it's, okay. prob- it's probably something you want to try and get your hands on to, uh, to read it, to at least have a copy of it, and they, they go through a detail, it's step-by-step, because this was an engineering problem back in 2012, but it's a good 20, 25 pages long. <laughs> well, what I planned on doing uh, tomorrow, actually, was since this plug, the connector, is so compromised as it is, um, I was going to trim back the plastic, on the and and release the the a the um, the red wire right and I was going to splice a new connection onto it okay and then plug the other five in and then plug in the power line put it on if it runs cool I know it was my connection if not then I have to go a little bit deeper right and then but, I would I would definitely want to see an amperage draw on that line just to see what it's pulling okay so it could be beyond the blower right it could be beyond the blower. Like I said, okay, sure. you, you get your hands on that document. They they go through this. It's involved. It's very elaborate, um, and but it will it will go into detail. I saw it oh five six months ago. I remember coming across it for something else, and I thought it was interesting. But it's something definitely for a situation like this. You want to get your hands on to read. So if I just if I do get lucky, and it is the terminal end, and I do what I want to do tomorrow, but it is running cool, I could buy another wiring harness from. GM, I know that. Is there any way to take the good pins out of the old harness and put them into the new one instead of cutting and splicing perfectly good wires? Yeah, you want to get, you know, you want to use a pin disassembly kit, which, you know, Snap-on Mac, a bunch of manufacturers will have it. I'm sure it's out there on the Internet, too. Thank God for the Internet. But it's just you want to buy a pin release kit where you can back the terminals out and work your way backwards. You know, okay, so it uh, can be done. Can be done, absolutely. Because I, I really don't want to um, compromise five good wires for one right. red one. Yeah, no, absolutely. To. But like I say, let's do an amp draw test, too. Let's see what it's pulling. All right, kiddo. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. It. Good luck to you, Tom. Let's get over and talk to Frank, Congress, New York. Frank, you're, you're early, Hi, son. It's, doing, it, we're not into winter yet. We're just finishing up with summer. But you're right. It is time to think about winter, right? 
you know, you, you got to start thinking about this. You know, you got to be pre, pre uh, proactive. Pro, proactive, and, uh, yep. Actually, early. Go ahead. Yeah, no, you got to be proactive because it's going to be here before proactive, you know it. It's, it. Proactive. It, and it, also, early, you talk about oil change. I'm, I'm adamant on changing oil. Oh, I watch it, and it runs the car nice, and the filters I talked to you about, and I've been away for a little while. I just want to give a call and say I love the show, and I got my car doctor shirt on, uh, and I'm walking around with that car that you gave me, uh, right in my car here. So I just want to say thank you. <laughs> hey, Frank, you're going to come uh, You're going to come down to uh, Mawa, New Jersey? I, I'm th- th- yeah, I just heard that. Yeah, yeah. I think I might. I'm yeah. going to come down and see you guys. Yeah, come on down and see us. i sit down for a second. So how's that? Wear your car doctor color. Stop in and say hello. We'll be down there broadcasting the show in two weeks on Saturday, the 3rd of September. All right, kiddo? You got it, my man. All right. Keep safe. And thanks for everything. You're doing a great job. Thanks, Thank Frank. We appreciate that. Out, we okay? appreciate guys like you. Absolutely. God bless. I'm Ron Anani, the car doctor. We're back right after this. Welcome back. Ron Anani, the car doctor. A couple of things. Uh, you are looking for the website. It's deadmanscurveusa.com. That's the website for the car show we're going to be at this Labor Day weekend, or the Wild Weekend. Actually, they call it their Wild uh, Hot Rod Weekend, deadmanscurveusa.com. They're going to have an Elvis impersonator, or an Elvis tribute, I'm sorry, Uncle Floyd. The only way I think you know who Uncle Floyd is, I think you got to be from New Jersey. Uh, there was an Uncle Floyd in Oogie. Uh, a million years ago, back when I was a kid, but uh, that, he'll be there, and uh, as well as Eddie Munster and Eric Estrada from Chips, and the Car Doctor will be there Saturday, uh, doing the radio show live, two to four p.m. Uh, a couple of comments we were talking about, real quick, um, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about hackers and you know getting into the cars. Article came out: Jeep hackers are back with a scary new trick. Two security researchers detailed an apparent hack into a 2014 Jeep Cherokee recently sharing their exploits at the Black Hat Hacker Conference in Las Vegas. Charlie Miller and Chris Velasek, two hacking experts behind the stunt, demonstrated to a Wired reporter last year how they were able to access the SUV's computer system and then rewrite the firmware to plant a malicious code, allowing them to control everything from air conditioning and music to the Jeep's steerings and brakes. Da, 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 da. The new tricks this year are scarier, the article goes on to say, including unintended acceleration, the ability to turn the vehicle's steering wheel and slam on the brakes at higher speeds. Their previous research only allowed them to commandeer these features. The Jeep was going slower than five miles an hour. While last year's hack was done remotely, this year's required a laptop directly plugged into the Jeep's network located just under its dashboard. Uh, You know, again, we're back to this self-driving car automation, depending upon the machine to do what it's supposed to do. And you just have to ask yourself, you know, where is this going to end up? Uh, you know, we were talking before the show today. If you get out to the Facebook page, Tom posted a little cartoon about the uh, police officer pulling over the driverless car and, you know, him calling into headquarters and saying, hey, I just pulled over a driverless car. Who do I issue the ticket to? The manufacturer, the owner, the lawyer, the guy who wrote the software, etc. And, you know, that's a very big part of the puzzle. But, you know, now we're talking about hacking. And remember, if you were here two hours ago, that's when this show started today, and I was talking about, 
you know, last man standing in reference to, you know, who's going to be the last guy? Who's going to be the last repair shop? It's not going to be me, I can tell you that. But, you know, who's going to be the last repair shop in 75, 80, 100 years from now? Will they look back and say the, the, the early part of the 21st century was where we saw the demise of auto repair and the auto repair shops going away? Things like this are definitely pushing that trend to becoming a reality because, you know, they're gonna, you're going to see, you want my prediction? If, if they can hack into cars, watch as they take away civil liberties. Now I'm going to get on the black helicopter conspiracy conversation, and the government will sit there and say, you know what, no self-driving cars unless we take control of the systems. Nobody fixes it unless you're a government-certified mechanic. I don't know. It's getting scary and scarier out there each and every day. I'm Ron Anany in the car, Doctor. Good mechanics, while you can still find one, aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya. 